This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. How do you communicate with spirits who speak a different language to you? Welcome to Paranormal Activity with me, Yvette Fielding, and this week we look at communicating with foreign spirits. I've been all over the world investigating paranormal buildings, islands, and even boats. But what if these spirits communicate in a different way to me? Some say that ghosts and entities speak in the language of spirit. Here, when spirits communicate with us, they use their own language and we hear it or understand it in our native tongue. Some also say that when a spirit is still closely associated with a specific lifetime they are living, so they might speak in their native language from that lifetime or just to communicate that they are genuine. So this reminds me of a question we had uh, from one of you lovely listeners where they asked, why don't you speak to medieval ghosts in Old English? Well, to look deeper into this, I want to take you all back to an investigation that I did with my lovely friend Paul O'Grady. Uh, and it, was from, it wasn't from Most Haunted, it was for a separate show called Death in Venice. And it was a show hosted by myself and Paul. And we decided together that we wanted to go to an island just off Venice. Um, and of course, uh, everybody there speaks Italian. And so whilst we were there and before we did our investigation, we picked up a um, an organised a translator to come with us. And I can't remember her name, but I do remember she was a very small, slight little lady and she was ever so sweet. And she'd never done anything like this before. Um, and she, But she was up for it. She was really brave. Yes, yes, not a problem. Uh, I think what you do is crazy, but uh, <laughs> I'll come with you and Paul. So we decided that we wanted to go and investigate the island of Poveglia. And this island is off the coast of Venice, Italy, and is nicknamed the Island of Ghosts. Um, and allegedly is the most haunted island in the world due to its horrifying past. It was absolutely horrific. People were taken to the island during the time of, of the plague. Um, if they showed symptoms of the Black Death, they were basically taken over by boat, um, dumped there. Um, there was a building on there that was a hospital um, that was supposed to cope with the disease, treat with the disease. There were only a, a couple of doctors there, um, but most people died. Um, some of them even died on the way to, you know, in the boat on the way to the island and their bodies were just dumped over the side of the of of the boat. 
on the island as well. It's supposed allegedly a mass burial ground. Allegedly, one hundred and sixty thousand people uh, were thought to have been cremated due to the disease. And even to this day, it's said that human ash makes up more than fifty percent of the soil. So you can see why this place is paranormal activity. And some of the stories, strange lights, noises, dark shadows are seen. The locals won't go there. And I remember um, uh, being told when we got there, uh, we were interviewing some of the locals and uh, with our translator, and they were telling us that some of the local fishermen uh, still refused to go anywhere, uh, you know, in a certain radius, uh, a mile or so, anywhere near the island, because when they pulled their nets up, they were they were pulling out human remains, you know, skeletons, you know, a, a, a femur, a, a, a skull, abs- a rib cage, absolutely horrific. So yeah, me, me and Paulo. Grady, being me and Paulo Grady, um, cackled a lot, laughed a lot, and said, "Well, come on, we'll, we'll go there. We'll, we'll go and do this investigation." So that's what we did, and <laughs> it was it was absolutely incredible. And um, now there are so many moments to investigating this place, and the number one uh, memory uh, has to be the mosquitoes. Oh, poor me and Paul were absolutely, and the crew just bitten to death i mean blood it wasn't just like the odd little i mean bitten to death it was absolutely awful but that so that sticks out as number one not the ghosts the mosquitoes our journey began by boat as i mentioned that's the only way to get to it um and as we saw the island getting closer and closer in the distance we began to become incredibly nervous i mean this was a place that had seen some horrible awful deaths and as I said not just a few there were thousands I felt like we were going right into the devil's lair now we were only a small crew there were two cameramen a sound man um, Paul and me so there you go there's 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 five of us our small crew would be the ones to enter the old abandoned building that was used as a hospital um, all that all that time ago I remember climbing off the boat and tramping through uh, the undergrowth and it was really hot and sweaty as well imagine being bitten and all these 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 flying things biting you and sort of it honestly it felt like we were on a a mission through a jungle it was a, a frightening feeling being dropped off you know we got off the boat and there we were and the boat then buggered off and left us there on this island completely on our own it was daytime which was a saving grace. Anyway, me being me, (laughs) just remembering now, Paul and I didn't say much to each other. Um, But as we were yomping along, we would now and again catch each other's eye, smile and roll our eyes as if to say, well, I can hear Paul, what the hell are we doing? You know, I can hear him shouting that. I know, and I'd look at him and say, oh my God, what are we doing? I thought the first thing we could do was to sit We brought a sort of collapsible table with us, was to bring a table and some chairs and we'd sit and with a glass and do a little bit of divination. And this way, I hope that we would know just how much energy was around us before we stepped into the building. So there we both were, sat like two customers waiting for our coffee to be brought to us at this small round table in the middle of tall reeds and grasses. And the old hospital was looming behind us in the distance. It was, as I say, it was still light. So we weren't scared at this point. We're just nervous about what was to come. And our soundman suddenly said, I can hear thumping. Listen. 
We stopped breathing and sure enough, there were the sounds, deep thumps coming from under our feet, from the ground. I was expecting the glass to start moving first or the the table to start knocking, but for the soil, the earth and the ground to be thumping away was just incredible. Then Paul called out in Italian, even though we had our um, interpreter, she had gone back at this point, she'd gone back on the boat. I remember thinking she looked incredibly nervous (laughs) And um, she taught us a few phrases, which and Paul spends a lot of time in, in Venice anyway. At the time, at the time he did, and um, so we knew a few phrases and thought, well, we'll use those to sort of be polite and call out in Italian. And I think the translator was was relieved at going back in the boat. Anyway, Paul decided to call out in Italian, asking politely to talk to us, and slowly the glass began to move. Then it began to rotate faster and faster. The thumping under our feet got louder and louder and Paul and I looked nervously at each other and then sat back, took a deep breath and stopped. It was in that moment that we realised that we were in for a very long, scary night. This, though, is what we'd come for and we couldn't wait to get into the old building. By the time that we'd walked there, the light had faded and boy, what a sight this old hospital was. You know, you've got to remember, it's all crumbling. There's no electricity. There's some In some of the rooms, there's no walls. There are stairs going up, obviously, to the upper floors. We've got to watch where we're going because some of the building is falling down. And then, of course, there were the rats. Let's not forget the rats and bats. Oh, yes. Oh, it was full of it. Honestly, I was, just, well, you, you know what I'm like. I was just, oh, don't come near me. I always have images of bats and getting their talons caught in my hair and flapping around on the top of my head. So I was an absolute mess. So by the time, you know, we were ready and, and we walked into this horrific, the mouth of the, the hospital, the door that, that wasn't there, we walked in through the main entrance. It looked like something from a horror movie. And let me tell you, it didn't disappoint either. Paul and I and the small crew experienced all the usual things with hauntings, knocking, rapping. We had poltergeist activity, footsteps, growls, moans and coughs. And after a few hours in the sweltering heat and happy that we'd caught some great phenomena on tape, we both decided to get on the boat, or we called for the boat via walkie-talkie, and leave. And it was great because I I remember this, we settled ourselves onto the boat, waved goodbye to the island with relief and began the journey back to the island of Venice. Now, on the way, in the middle of the sea, I suggested, I don't know why it came into my head, I suggested, why don't we just do a seance on the boat? Well, why not? If this is where the bodies were thrown during the plague, there might be spirits that need help. Well, Paul and I looked so bizarre, sitting either side of that same table, the only little table, in the middle middle of the boat, in the middle of the sea. Um, But uh, let me tell you, as soon as we started to call out, I wasn't wrong. Because there, underneath the table, little taps started happening. And then, thump, bang, 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 under the boat. And this was the great, it was fantastic, because the driver of the boat, an Italian gentleman, he couldn't believe it. He'd never heard anything like it. And he was freaked 
out. He really was freaked out. And then the water police, the water police came up because all they could see was me and Paul sitting on the uh, on this, uh, you know, opposite each other at, on a seance table, sitting upright in this boat. And they asked the driver what was going on. And of course, they could see the night vision cameras and they knew that we were filming something. And I think they thought that we were filming a drama because when we said ghosts, you know, they were sort of, ah, see, see. Okay. And then they were fine. And off they went. But we did look completely crazy sat there. But as I say, it was absolutely fantastic. I asked various questions in English without, again, without the interpreter, how many bodies are under the water? And so I didn't need the Italian uh, interpreter to ask these questions because the knocks and raps um, were coming back and making sense, answering my questions. We managed to understand that, get this, thousands upon thousands of bodies had been disposed of all those years ago. But when I asked, does anyone need our help? No, came the reply. It was very, very quick. I think they just wanted us to know that they were there. So if you visit Venice and as you cross the water, give a little blessing to all those poor unfortunate people who met their end at the bottom of the sea. Now, we also had some terrifying experiences when we visited the Capuchin catacombs of Palermo. Um, go and go- well, as I'm talking, go and Google, pause me now, pause me. Go and Google some photos now because the bodies that are in here are absolutely terrifying. It's a perfect example of the practice of mummification, which was an ancient tradition that took a hold on Sicily. And these catacombs are an amazing example due to the amount of preserved human bodies housed inside them. Um, again, so before Paul and I went to... Um, uh, Paveglia. This is what started it um, for the for the pair of us in Italy. Our love of Italy. Um, I was doing a show called Ghost Hunting with, uh, where I would take a variety of different uh, celebrities ghost hunting for ITV2. And I said to Paul, "Would you like to do one?" Well, would I? I love it. So great. Okay. So why don't you ask some of your friends? And uh, forgive me if I get this wrong, but I think it was Natasha Hamilton, um, Philip Olivier. Uh, Jennifer Ellison and uh, and of course Paul and then uh, myself as the host. So there we all were, five of us together. And first of all, uh, part of that show was we were investigating. I think we did three locations whilst we were there, and we went to an old opera house. It was a theatre, and we did a séance. And allegedly, the ghost of an old nun is said to haunt this location. Well. We did have an interpreter with us, but as I said, Paul knew some Italian, so it's really important. And as soon as, and I think this is the key with language, if you learn a phrase or hello, how are you, in their native language, I think that shows absolute respect. And that's what happened, because as soon as Paul said, Buonasera, come sta? 
that's when we started to get some knocking phenomena straight away. And that was absolutely incredible. And at the same time, I saw a flashing light. And then we all heard, scared the lip. I mean, poor Jennifer Ellison, she was screaming her head off. We all heard a dragging noise behind us, which was really frightening. I asked for the table to move in English, which then the translator translated in Italian. And the table did start to move and shake. Um, and we were using the same translator as well, the lovely, um, the lovely, lovely lady. I feel awful because I can't remember her name. It was so long ago. Um, As I say, uh, it it was absolutely unbelievable when the table started to move and shake. And for those of you who've experienced it, it is a weird phenomenon, isn't it? You know, that sort of feeling that that uh, it's like a washing machine on spin, as I like to describe it. And when I look at the footage, and you can watch this show on YouTube, please watch it because it's you not, for, not I'm not being vain I'm not like that but just to watch these people these the guest faces these people had never done a ghost hunt before and the absolute look of shock and it is shock and fear on their faces is unbelievable um then it, of course it was time to go to the catacombs that um w- w- which are just Like I said, you've got to look at pictures of this place. 8,000 bodies resided within this place. Uh, You know, most of them um, embalmed. It's it's an incredible place to to visit if you've got, you know, (laughs) if you've got a stomach for it. And I remember Paul and the rest of us were all stood at the entrance and none of us wanted to go inside. So... Um, I wanted it to be a real experience on camera. I wanted to experience it on camera for the first time. So I said, well, look, I'll go in on my own. So I went in on my own and I think I had Carl with me. He was the only cameraman. We had a small night vision camera. And you walk down these steps and then you go into like long corridors. And then off these corridors are like little ante rooms. Oh my God. Well, the corridors are quite narrow in certain places. I've never seen anything like it in my life. I really, really haven't. These are bodies hung on the walls. You know, some of them have still got their hair. They're dressed in suits, in dresses. There are families hanging together, you know, with children there. It, it's, 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 it's awful. Some of their jaws are dropped open, you know, and uh, it, it's just the most horrific sight. And yet the monks that did this, you know, it wasn't done as a sort of you know, a fairground attraction, as it were. It, it, you know, elephant man style, you know, come and look at this. It was done out of respect for the people that lived in Sicily. And they, they stand firm by that. And I can understand that and I respect that. But it is a horrific sight to see. So the rest of the, the, the gang stood upstairs and I went down on my own. It was a big mistake. And I knew because I'd been told what was down there and I'd seen some of the pictures. So... I gritted my teeth, I took a deep breath and walked slowly down these stairs. It was it, it was just unbelievable. Like I mentioned, you know, their open mouths were hanging. And, and that's the thing. It looked like their expressions were in despair. You know, they died screaming out in agony. Um, and then when I walked into the section that is, it's just for children. I could have fainted. I remember my knees going weak and I began to really shake. Little skeletons of children of different ages. So babies lying in prams, some skeletons, some still with their hair and features, even their eyelashes. Um, And there's a little girl there and she's in a glass top coffin and she's called Rosalia. Oh my God. 
oh, that really upset me because it's a, you're looking at a dead child. And it was very, very, very upsetting to me. And I was traumatised, I can tell you. I ran up to get some air. And in front of Paul and the others, they saw me. And I was supposed to be the brave one. And they were like, what the hell? What the hell? What, what are we going into here? And I, Carl was there uh, with me and I just sobbed into his arms. And then, as we did on Ghost Hunting With, we always had a psychologist, Dr. Jeffrey Beatty, lovely, lovely guy. And he was there to help us in certain situations. And it was normally the frightened celebrities who talked to him, but this time it was me. Well, I couldn't stop sobbing. I couldn't stop crying. Uh, and after about half an hour, after I'd calmed down, I'd been told that Paul, whilst I'd been talking to Jeffrey, the psychologist, he had gone downstairs in my absence and he'd taken a look round and he was really upset as well. It really did affect him. He was really upset about it. So we didn't like it or we didn't, and we didn't agree with the bodies that had been presented, but we, but that were presented on the walls and in the rooms. But as I say, you have to respect what these people have done. Anyway, I urged my celebrity guests, come on now, it's time for you to go down in pairs and call out for the spirits to come and talk with them. Well, I knew that there were spirits down there um, that were trapped and needed our help. I just knew it. And that made me pull my boots up and get a grip. We needed to help them. That was the thing that we were there to do. Well, we all as a group, we wandered the corridors and anterooms. And as we did, we began to hear knocking and then crying and whining and moaning. Oh, my God. It was so, so clear. So amazing. Some of the best, you know, that, that sort of moaning. Some of the best we've ever caught. As I, I'm urging you, get on YouTube and watch Ghost Hunting With. And we went into the embalming room. Now, at this point, um, if I remember rightly, I think Jennifer Ellison had left. She couldn't cope anymore. So there was uh, Natasha, Philip Olivier, Paul, me, and we did have our, uh, a cameraman and a sound man, and we had the interpreter with us. Now, this embalming room, oh my God, it was a small room. It was really quite cramped and claustrophobic and as you're stood there there's these slabs on either side of you and on the slabs there's like two or three bodies still with their skin on and their clothes I can't tell you how horrific it was and you didn't want to touch you didn't want to move anything it, it, it just didn't it was awful so there we all were huddled together and then I thought right start calling out so I started calling out is there anybody there is there anybody there the translators translating hello, come star, you know, do, doing everything that we wanted to, we, we had to do to be respectful. Um, and she, uh, the, our interpreter, she copied my questions, but she was visibly shaking. And at one point, I remember she left. She actually left. That was it. She thought what we did was crazy. It was real. I real. I believe, I believe, but I, I can't cope with this. And as I say, uh, um, you know, she sat upstairs with Jennifer Ellison. It was all getting rather too much for all of us. So there we were, just a small group of us left in the embalming room. And then we started hearing this banging noise and a man's voice moaning through these thick stone walls. I then suggested that we did a planchette uh, and the planchette in the end had a, a thick marker pen in it. And underneath I bought some paper and placed it on the on a table. And um, I asked 
them all to put their fingers on the planchette again asking out please come and talk to us hopefully the spirits would move the pen to make a sign a letter or a word and then we all heard a man's laugh oh god buena sera uh, we all said grazie grazie we say these this, these words over and over again as the pen starts to move around in a circle I take my hand off the pen is still moving around Philip is clearly getting very upset and freaked out by what's happening with this planchette and then everybody stops they can't cope anymore and Natasha then leaves so she's taken away and then while we're standing there, getting our breath and, and, you know, checking everybody else is all right, we hear a baby crying. Oh, God, that was so scary and upsetting. And then Phil feels a breath on his neck. And then Paul feels something playing with the belt on his coat. And all of a sudden we hear a child crying again. Oh my God, it was so loud and clear. And I'm telling you now, if you YouTube it, go on to with Paul O'Grady and Friends. It's part six and the time code is 11.53. Just have a listen to that whining. Paul speaks again in Italian and he's trying to, to soothe the spirit. And that's when we, we realise that this possibly could be the spirit of Rosalia because we're calling out for Rosalia, asking Rosalia, come and play with us. And she was a two-year-old girl and apparently she was interned uh, back in the catacombs uh, in 1920. And I believe, as did Philip and Paul and the rest of the crew, that she'd come to play with us. And Paul said in English, you clever girl, Rosalia, and two knocks can be heard on the table where the planchette and paper were. The little girl, in my view, had seen the pen and wanted to play. Well, then she began to tap loudly on and around the table, interspersed with little whiny noises. Philip Olivier looked absolutely petrified. I was beginning, as you know me, to get really excited. I mean, the fear had gone now, completely gone. I was jigging up and down. Come on, I want more. Come on. <laughs> and, and, and in Italian, we call out. We ask the interpreter. She's back down again now. Oh, there's so much happening. She's standing in the actual archway into the embalming room. <laughs> Anyways, can you call out? She's hearing these noises. No, no, no. Off she goes again. She's she's gone. She can't. She's not coming back down again. So we all get um, what sound like then. Um, oh, that's right. That's right. So we go out of the embalming room when the interpreter disappears again. Finally, she's gone and doesn't come back. So then there's just me, Paul uh, and Philip and one cameraman and a sound guy. Um, oh, no, no, there isn't even a sound guy. We're just on one night vision camera. That's right. And I think it's Carl with us. Well, as we're there walking down the corridor away from the embalming room, would you, and you can get lost down there. It's so big. All we get back... Um, is what sounds like feet shuffling behind us. It's like we were being followed. And then suddenly something is thrown at us. Me and Phil grab hold of each other and cry out in sheer terror. And Paul shouts in Italian, basta, basta, which means enough. I thought he was swearing, uh, which means enough, enough. And then another stone is thrown. Phil loses it completely. I try to calm him down, uh, but this is it. This is enough for both 
Paul and Philip, and so we leave. I, on the other hand, I have to say, I was quite proud of myself, return to the embalming room. Uh, I take, oh, I don't go on my own. I take Carl and a couple of team members with me, and I sit there and I send uh, Rosalia to the light. The ultimate podcast for Married at First Sight fans is here. This is Recapped at First Sight. The new podcast keeping you up to date on all the love, fallouts, drama and secrets as the Married at First Sight UK bride and grooms try to make happy couples. And we're your happy couple right here, in a professional sense, of course. Join me, Kat Shube. And me, former Maths UK groom Bob Voisey, every morning after you've watched the latest episode on TV. Plus, we'll have some special guests along the way enjoying our very own wedding breakfast. You bit the caterers, right? Uh, about that. Recapped at first sight. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Now, this week, Deborah sent in an email to tell us how her mother communicated with her when she passed on. She says, I have a story that I really hope was true. It involved my lovely mum who battled MS and breast cancer for 10 years. On the day she found out she had the five-year remission letter from her breast cancer, she found out she had stomach cancer. This sucks because my mum was a true, kind, lovely person and was really dealt a bad hand. She looked on the positive side by saying she was glad she was going to die quickly before the MS slow death would take her. How brave is that? Anyway, I made sure I went home every weekend and spent quality time with her and we got talking one night about death and I asked her if when she passed, please could she show me a sign that there was life after death. She said she would, but not in a scary way like rattling plates and please would I not try and contact her beyond the grave. Just leave me in peace, she said. No seances, thank you. She went into hospice care and I must say this was not a gentle passing from cancer. It was horrible painful and distressing. 
After she passed, we sat in the visitor room and a storm started that wasn't forecast. I believed this was her angry at my dad who had cheated on her. She only found this out after he died. She said when she saw him again, she would give him what for. Then I went home on the train. My sister went back to my mum's and in those days always dialed 1471 to see if anyone had called the house. 1471 advised the last caller was from 00000000. I've looked into this and it's quite impossible. I truly believe this was my mum giving me a subtle sign she had passed and this was confirmation there was life after death. It's a great comfort. Hope you read this. Comfort and hope are what we need, don't we? When someone we love passes on. Some of the questions we ask, are they okay? Are they at peace? Where are they now? What are they doing now? And are they really happy? So many questions. So when we get something that we think or know is a sign from them, it's so uplifting and can really help with the grieving process. I believe they can do the most amazing things like play their favourite song on the radio, leave their picture in the middle of the floor, suddenly you smell their perfume or aftershave in your house. Better still, seeing them. I saw, as you know, my dad's face. Me, Paul and Helen, my three lovely friends, we all saw him at the same time and it was him smiling, looking and he just looked so happy to me. I'll never forget that. So, Deborah, yes, anything is possible. Texts on phones, phone calls. She's with you, sweetheart. Never doubt it. We also have had Matt get in touch after listening to our Ghostly Sentinels episode with his own experience. Hi, Yvette and Molly. Loving the podcast as ever. I wanted to write to you regarding my experiences with Sentinels. I often visit the parish church where my parents live and where I was born. I'm not going to say where it is out of a mark of respect. To say that over the years I've had experiences, there is somewhat of an understatement. The building dates back to the medieval period and you can imagine what it has witnessed over the years. I've always regarded it as having a thin atmosphere, which has often been described as very close from one realm to the next. To be honest, I've always found that comforting and almost a way of recharging my spiritual batteries. I'm not overly religious, but this building has something else. As a child, I used to play the organ in the chancel. In my peripheral vision, I quite often used to see lines of spirit-like monks going to the altar. At that age, I used to shrug it off as I didn't really understand. I was having a meeting with the church wardens about the organ six months ago and I arrived early so decided to stand waiting at the arch between the chancel and the nave. Suddenly, I saw an outline of a priest walk down from the altar and turn right to the door of the vestry. Thinking that it would just vanish through the door, I didn't really feel too concerned. But he didn't. He stopped and turned and looked directly at me. He knew I was there and I knew he was there. It was almost like for a few moments we had non-verbal communication and he then slowly nodded and turned and vanished through the door. I took this as one of the best good luck signs I've ever received. 
It also confirmed to me that I've always suspected is that priests, monks and nuns, if they were good in life, never really actually pass over fully. It's not like they're in purgatory, it's like they have their own space, somewhere in the doorway. I very much believe that they too are sentinels. It's one of the rare moments in my life when I have totally not been afraid of encountering spirit. I really felt a moment of peace. I haven't had another visit from the veiled lady in my flat again, but thank you for listening. Your explanation was helpful. Well, thanks, Matt, for your email. What a fabulous experience. It sounds to me like this ghost knew you, recognised you. And why wouldn't he? As you say, you've been going to this church uh, since being a child. It's like a scene out of a movie, isn't it? A ghostly priest nodding at you as if saying, hello, you're all right, you are. What a special moment. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for listening to Paranormal Activity with me, Yvette Fielding, and a huge thanks to all our lovely listeners for sharing their visitation stories. You can get in touch and share your own stories at this address. It's contact at paranormalpod.co.uk or we are on WhatsApp and the number is 075-999-27537 and our Instagram handle is paranormalactivitypod. Stay up to date with the newest episodes by giving us a follow and we'll be back again same time next week But if you can't wait until then, visit www.paranormalpod.co.uk where you can find options to get episodes a day early. Have a great week, stay safe, and remember, things aren't always as they seem. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their Golden Glow body set includes three clinically proven bestsellers for smooth, glowing skin. While the Glow and Go facial set provides spa-level results at home. Both sets come in giftable boxes with savings up to $48 and free shipping for a limited time. For 10% off your first order site-wide, go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM.